Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. We missed you, Hornets fans. It's been almost a week. Well, not quite. We've had one podcast in the last week breaking down Brandon Miller's performance during All-Star Week weekend in the Rising Stars competition, but since then, we have had our little break here, a little vacation time for the players and a little R&R for us here on the Hornets Hivecast as well. We missed you. We are rejuvenated, reinvigorated, and we are most definitely ready here for this stretch run, an exciting one. The Hornets have won three in a row heading into it, and uh, they'll take on the Utah Jazz tonight, looking to make it four straight in the win column as they head down the home stretch here of the 23-24 season. We'll have our game preview for Hornets versus Jazz, also talk about two of the newcomers to the team since the trade deadline. Two Charlotte natives have joined the team, Grant Williams and Seth Curry. We'll talk about their impact on the overall story arc of the Hornets and talk about some of our favorite All-Star break stories with someone who writes some of the best stories when it comes to covering the Queen City. He is a sports columnist from the Charlotte Observer. Thrilled to have him here with us today on the HHC. The great Scott Fowler, sports columnist of the Charlotte Observer, our guest today on the Hornets Hivecast. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, it's been quite the layoff for us. Uh, we went one podcast for a whole week after going daily for the previous, I don't know, four months. We kind of lost track there. It was nice to get the break. Uh, nice to take in the All-Star competition, quite frankly. Brandon Miller playing in the Rising Stars competition. Didn't score. His team didn't advance, but just seeing a Hornet out there as part of All-Star Weekend and a bright piece of the future for Charlotte did me a lot of good. What were your takeaways watching Brandon play in the Rising Stars? He looked like he belonged to me, I mean, which is no surprise, but and he ultimately gave up the game-winning shot, right, I think. But it was really good defense. The guy just made a nice shot. And to me, Miller is the brightest spot on this team. I mean, bar none, really, because LaMelo's been hurt so much. Love watching that guy play. He just seems to get a little better every month. And so... I've got a lot of hope for him. And I thought, you know, this that's the, only the first of many for him being in the NBA All-Star Weekend, I think. I mean, you could see a guy like that in the three-point contest. And I think, certainly the Hornets would hope, that you're going to see him in the regular All-Star game at some point. Amen to that. And his play, I agree with you, he's been building month after month. He was good out of the gates, but January, Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month. And for the month of February, he is the leading scorer amongst the rookie class for the month of February, 23.5 points per game. And on top of that, he is in the top 12 for all NBA players in terms of total points scored. The only guys he trails are basically all-stars. Either they were this season or they have been in the past. So I I agree with you. I think he's going to be a part of a lot of all-star weekends in the future, perhaps as soon as next season as a regular all-star. And I think he'd be a lock to be a part of the three-point competition, which from this past weekend, that was the highlight for me, not just the normal competition brought in by Dame Lillard, who had that outstanding run the finals, kept it in suspense 
sense there down to the last ball, but eventually sinks it to win the competition. But even more so, the Curry and Ionescu going head-to-head, that was a lot of fun and, and really, to me, the highlight of the weekend and something hopefully we'll continue to see more of, highlighting the greatness of the women's game and how, I mean, Ionescu, if she had been competing in the normal competition, she ties for the, the high. She's in the final. Yeah, exactly. Uh, honestly, out of the weekend, and I kind of darted in and out of all that stuff, but that was, to me, the most memorable part of it. I mean, once Caitlin Clark gets to the WNBA, for instance, you could see her being in, in a part of one of those competitions, too, in some sort of two-on-two sort of three-point deal or something, but I love that. And I thought that, you know, the All-Star game, to me, I don't like anymore. You know, I turned it on at one point, and I mean, they were past 100 in the second quarter, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it had, nothing's changed. So not a huge all-star game fan. That that needs to be fixed in some ways uh, or or just done away with as the NFL has done and go to these skills competitions that the NBA is so good at with the three-point competition. And also uh, this one, to me, yeah, that was just so cool, and I'm so glad that she did so well, you know, that it wasn't a blowout at and Steph beat her by 25 or something. I think it was great that she was there right to the last shot. I mean, he had to hit that that final rack where he, he became Steph Curry and, and did what he does. But I, I thought that was, that was really the best part of it all for me. I agree with you, Sam. And if I'm not mistaken, I think she still is the record holder for this style of competition in terms of total points scored. So still something for uh, Steph to shoot for in the future. I'm with you on, on the All-Star game itself. Look, the, the box score is crazy. Carl uh, Anthony Towns led all scores. He goes for 50 points, 23 of 35 shooting off the bench. By the way, second time this season, Towns has scored 50 in a game and lost. Hornets got him in Minneapolis, spoiling his career. I 62. That was Terry Rozier's last game with Charlotte. But, you know, I'm based on the box score, I thought Halliburton probably should have been the MVP, the more efficient of the two players. But really, at the end of the day, the, the biggest issue is the fact that there were 400 points scored in this game. Team shot a hair under 40% from three with so little defense that uh, it's just it it's difficult to take in and certainly doesn't compare to 10 20 years ago when it really was a great game and a great showcase and great competition I have an idea on what I think is maybe a last-ditch effort to fix it but I'm curious if you have any ideas that come to mind on what the remedy is to make this game just a little more competitive uh, well, I'd be interested to hear your take on it. I think there's a few ways you could do it, and different leagues have done it in different ways. But you have to – something has to be at stake. I mean, you could pay the players, and I suppose that, you know, but I, I guess unless it's just an exorbitant amount of money, I don't know how much that matters if you, you know, gave them each an extra 25000 I mean, that's a drop in the bucket. I think it needs to be more competition-based and – the way the Major League Baseball did the, you know, I think they did. I don't know if they still do this or not. You can probably tell me. But I think you just make the winner uh, become the team that hosts the NBA Finals and gets, you know, a potential Game 7 and a best of seven rather than the way they do it now. I think if you do that, most all those guys think their team has a chance at the championship at that point of the season. They're almost all on really good teams. So I think that would juice it up. You are reading from my notes the way I read your columns. Uh, that That's exactly what I have down. Yeah, I mean, would it work, though, I guess, is the question. Do you think that that would be enough? 
I don't know, but I don't know what else gives the incentive. And I think, you know, the, the money motivation, I'm with you. I don't, I don't know that there's an amount that is not so obscene to the normal casual fan that would really incentivize it. And really, there, there probably shouldn't be one. I think there, it's a good idea to have financial benefits to the players via their contracts to get a boost if you make all-star games. But to, to say, oh, you, you get this much more money if you win, I don't know that that's necessarily it. But home court advantage in the finals, that's a prize. And as you mentioned, in the NBA, almost every all-star, 90-plus percent, are on winning teams. And on teams, all of them figure that if they make the the playoffs, that they're going to have a chance to make a run. So everyone on the floor would have a vested interest in earning home court advantage. And if for some reason they didn't give that kind of effort, I have no doubt in my mind that LeBron James or Nikola Jokic or Jason Tatum wouldn't go to the coach and say, look, so-and-so is not playing hard. Get him off the floor because I want to be in the final. And also, uh, what happened to the Elam ending? They didn't do that this year, right? I like that too, you know, where you have to hit a game winner and at least you get – now, they did it, if I remember right, they did it in the rookie, uh, the, the Rising Stars game, right? But I don't think the NBA All-Star game happened. Correct. They've kept it in the Rising Stars. They got away from it in the normal game, just as they got away from the draft. They went back to the, the old school East versus West, which I have no problems with. I like that better than the draft personally, but I'm in the older generation now, I guess, that they're not necessarily looking to for the uh, the innovations. But I do think this is one that either A, it, it will work because it should, because it's the right incentive for the players who want to win rings and want to win championships and want any advantage they have or if it doesn't work then I don't know that anything will and and maybe we go to a, re- a suggestion I've heard from some players that instead of doing a team thing you do a one-on-one competition call out your your guy there to defend you or that you want to defend play it that way but uh, just seeing old school video of Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan in the all-star game and seeing the level of competition and it's not as if they're drawing up super complex defenses back then but they're defending they're they're making an effort it's not just hey your turn my turn let's do the things that we should be doing in the dunk contest but we're not going to compete in that we'll just do it here in the game with no defense it's honestly it's a little bit of a shame what it has become but it can be great again and uh, I think we're on the same same page here as far as suggestions all in all though great to see brandon miller a part of it hopefully he'll be part of that next generation competing for all-star glory and maybe even finals home court advantage for charlotte in a all-star game to come coming up next we're going to talk more about charlotte basketball scott fowler our guest today sports columnist from the charlotte observer will dig into the new queen city additions to the hornets seth curry and grant williams next here on the hornets Hivecast. Scott Fowler, sports columnist from the Charlotte Observer, as well as co-author of Sports Legends of the Carolinas, a book, one of our best and brightest writers here for a long time in Charlotte, but not just on the newspaper column, also looking at sports legends from right here at home. Yeah, yeah. Thanks uh, for mentioning it, Sam. We had a lot of fun with that book. It's also a, it was originally a newspaper series and it's online and it's also uh, since we're talking on a podcast, it is a free podcast. If you look up 
sports legends of the Carolinas. The concept being sort of similar to what we're doing here, except I'm not a legend. But it's one-on-one talks with icons of sport. And so it's it's of all sports. They all have to have a deep connection to the Carolinas, but they don't have to have grown up here. Done a number of Hornets, uh, one-on-one with Muggsy, uh, one-on-one with Dale Curry. Uh, we did one-on-one with Steph Curry. So we, we had a couple of the Curry uh, family. Might have to do Seth one day now that he's... Uh, He's here, but we've also done a number of other NASCAR superstars. Our most recent one was Richard Petty. And so anyway, it's a podcast, it's a newspaper series, and it is a book. Sports Legends of the Carolinas is a coffee table book um, available at sportslegendsbook.com. Great gift for if you're looking ahead for Father's Day or if you've got any sports fans in your life. It's a it's a lot. It's a fun read. These are all. Uh, these are very thoughtful people. Some of my very favorite people to talk to. Honestly, that's kind of how I, I kind of picked this group because I've been here a long time and, and just uh, enjoy having these sort of deep, thoughtful conversations like the one we're having now. I love it and uh, love the suggestion. Get out there. Go ahead and grab Sports Legends of the Carolinas in either book or newspaper or in podcast form. We kind of gear this podcast to be long enough to get you from home to work or work to home, but we don't necessarily give enough time for the round trip. So this will be a good way to fill in those gaps for everyone during their commute times with their uh, with their podcast. Uh, and it ties in nicely with one of my favorite storylines here for the stretch run that we're looking forward to getting tipped off tonight with the Hornets visiting the Utah Jazz. And that's getting to see Grant Williams and Seth Curry put an imprint on the team as the Charlotte natives. Since joining the squad... I couldn't help but notice that every night coming out of the tunnel or taking the floor, they're the ones leading the group. And, you know, it, it's been since the day that they arrived with the team. They've been the first ones out of the tunnel, excited to be cheered on by their hometown crowd and, and take over. The mayor, Grant Williams, pride of Providence Day, go Chargers. He's had three straight 15-point performances. Seth Curry, Charlotte Royalty, son of Dell, star of Charlotte Christian, go Knights. Duke, as well as a 10-season vet. You wrote the book on Charlotte sports legends, or I should say sports legends of the Carolinas. How does these two players, in particular their arrival, impact the story of the Hornets the remainder of the season for you as someone who writes that story. Super interesting. I think they, they've just really made the, the Hornets more interesting to watch. I know I found myself, you know, I don't go on road trips like you do. And so, you know, I watch the Hornets at home when I'm not at home games and on the road, I'm watching them on TV too. And and let me say, I've been turning in every minute these last few games since those guys joined the team. And honestly, before that, I was real hit, hit and miss when the Hornets were on one of their 11-game losing streaks or whatever. I was like, I think I can skip that one. But right now, to me, they feel like they're, uh, I don't know, more energized. Those two veteran guys in the locker room in particular and knowing Charlotte's history, embedded in Charlotte really, from, you know, of course Seth is, but Grant Williams too. I mean, he's a he's, uh, big-time player, and he played a ton of playoff games in Boston. I mean, he's a guy who knows what it takes and I don't know what's happened, Sam. You probably can fill me in a little bit more because you've been at courtside for all of it. But when I watch them on TV or in person right now, I'm like, this looks like a different team. I, I don't know. They've, they've just really, I know it's they're not going to be, you know, go on a 20-game winning streak or something. But to go into the All-Star break the way they did, Seth is, Dale told me a funny story about Steph and Seth and how 
you know, Steph really had to remake his shot in the driveway and almost quit one summer in high school because he was so frustrated. Whereas Seth always had just a kind of has always had like a natural, beautiful sort of three point point shot from the very beginning. And how teams missed on Seth recruiting wise at the beginning, I just cannot believe it because they had Steph as the blueprint. And still Seth ended up at Liberty for a year before Duke goes, oh, okay, another Curry brother really is good. Let's get him. And so, of course, he was a great player at Duke. And, you know, in most families would be an absolute superstar. But has handled his role in that family. Uh, Dale says he's just you know, a consummate middle child. He just He's able to roll with anything he's got, and, and he's playing well. And then Grant Williams, I think, is really helping them on the boards and he talks a lot i mean he just talks he's just like one of those natural you've got to have some guys on the court that are gonna get the defense lined up and all that so both really great additions uh to the hornets right now and, I, and i'm really interested to see what the rest of the season will bring you and me both uh, I, I hope i get to clip off that i don't know if they're going to go on a 20 game win streak thing and play it back to you later i would love for that to happen but yeah we'll we'll find out i guess over the next few weeks here of the season just in terms of you know, the history of Charlotte sports, and really, you know, sports in general, because you, you chronicle it all. You know, Michael Jordan, obviously, from the Carolinas, ends up becoming the superstar for Chicago. Uh, Steph Curry from the Carolinas becomes the superstar for Golden State. We've exported several stars to other franchises, but we've never had one of our own. Hopefully, Grant Williams uh, and Seth Curry get to write that story in the next couple of seasons here. But it does strike me as something different here, having two basketball-playing Charlotte natives playing for their home franchise and having so quickly reinvigorated the team and it's not to say that there aren't charlotte natives who have had a lot of success in other sports Iki Aquanu from providence day first round pick for the panthers hopefully he's a part of their rebirth in the coming seasons william byron just won the daytona 500 he's a charlotte native but there seems to be something different or the potential for something different if that level of achievement with the equivalent of winning the daytona 500 were to happen for the charlotte hornets with grant williams and seth curry or any charlotte native for that matter at the heart of it yeah, I was there uh, for the Daytona 500, uh, covered that, and uh, saw William Byron win that in person and, and was surprised. He, as good as he's been, uh, you know, he's never had finished better than 21st in Daytona. So that was a shocker and, a, and a, an absolutely local kid who uh, went to high school here as well. And, you know, and Seth is like that. Do you count uh, Sam LeBron? I mean, at Akron versus, you know, when he played for the Cavaliers. I know it's not the same city, but. Yeah, you know what? You're right. That's a good jog in my memory. That, that's shame on me for not thinking of him. But, yes, LeBron James, absolutely. My dad's from Akron, so he, he was very excited when Cleveland won the championship with him. And that That's 100% the, the blueprint, I hope, that uh, we see here for Charlotte one day in the not-too-distant future. Well, yeah, they've, they've got a long way to go there, but we got to, you know, they just got to get to the playoffs, right? I mean, it's just been just, it's been a while. Um, I have covered them. I, I was not here for the original Charlotte Hornets glory years, the first five or six, but I've been here since 1994. So I have seen a lot of uh, some good Hornets teams, some uh, some bad Hornets teams, but I want to, you know, I'm going to be doing this for I don't know how much longer. I mean, uh, I got a 
daughter who's a junior in high school, so it'll be a while longer. But I want to see the Hornets at least reach the Eastern Conference Finals sometimes. I mean, that's that's never happened. And I, I just feel like they've got a few building blocks here now, and they've made some moves that I like recently. I thought that, that last team was just mired in mediocrity, and it just was not going to change. So I'm glad they're changing some things around uh, because I really would. I mean, it is. It's we're objective, paid to be objective, and I need to write in the Charlotte Observer whether the Hornets played well or played poorly. But it is more fun to cover a winner. I'll say that it was fun in 2016 going to those uh, Hornets games in Miami and watching that team come within an eyelash of, of beating the Heat. And it's you know haven't seen a lot of that lately. So I really uh, would like them to be better and i don't want to overstate the importance of the last three games or whatever but i think that there's some hope here and that that's all you can ask for right now well 17 more and they get that 20 game win streak you were talking about and get me back on then at that point and and if they get there then then they'll definitely be threatening something still uh, quite the the hole to dig themselves out of but uh, two charlotte natives leading the way in that turnaround and Boy, what an epic tale that would be to have you write. In addition to being a part of Sports Legends of the Carolinas, a book we recommend you go out and get for your coffee table or as a podcast for uh, after you're done listening to this one, which coming up next, we're going to get our game preview going here. Hornets at Utah tipping off the back third of the season. We'll preview the game with Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer after this here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber and Scott Fowler, the sports columnist from the Charlotte Observer, our guest today here on the HHC Hornets, tipping off the uh, post-All-Star break portion of the season at the Utah Jazz. Utah thumped the Hornets the first time around, built up an enormous lead. Charlotte did well to, to fight their way back into it, got a career day from Nick Richards and a really strong effort from P.J. Washington as well, but ended up falling short. That was part of a 10-game losing streak. But since then, the two teams' fates have gone in opposite directions. Charlotte, of course, has won three in a row since their trade deadline acquisitions have arrived. Utah has lost four in a row. Charlotte now starting this back portion of the season, post-All-Star break portion. Uh, They'll have 13 of the first 17 games out of the break on the road for the Hornets, so we'll see if they can keep the winning going and tip off a long road trip and road stretch overall with a W tonight against the Jazz. Scott, for our game previews, we need a player to watch for the Hornets, a stat to watch, and a player to watch for the Jazz. I'll let you pick which category you want to be with uh well i'll pick uh, a player to watch for the jazz i guess um lowry marking it is that am i saying that right you nailed it all right i'm good at spelling names not always uh, saying names but that guy is just i mean he's a load i don't remember how many, how many did he score the first time that they played I cannot remember but i know he is a difficult out every single time He's on the floor, and uh, wasn't he in the three-point contest this past weekend? I, I think he was. He but, was indeed. You know, seven foot tall, and just a guy who's, you know, try to keep him under his average. If you could keep him under 20, I think he averages around 23 or so. That would be helpful. I don't know what they'll, you know, where what they'll do defensively with, you know, a kind of, a kind of new alignment that they have. But uh, that's the guy, I guess. I mean, that's their number one threat. 
I don't disagree with you. Mark and Andy's made a three in every single game this season. 54 straight regular season games overall, dating back to last year. And as you mentioned, he was in the three-point competition. So he's quite the marksman, definitely someone to watch. Uh, my player to watch for the Jazz is going to be Colin Sexton. He carved up the Hornets in the first matchup, had a career-high 13 assists, and then his last game going into the break, albeit in a loss to Golden State, he had a season high in points. So he's a hot player. He was a, a big part of the deal uh, with Donovan Mitchell going from Utah to Cleveland. He was a big part of the return package for the Utah Jazz. Has had some injury issues, but when healthy, he's as special and dynamic a guard as uh, we have in the NBA today, at least amongst the non-All-Star bunch. So Colin Sexton will be my Jazz player to watch. Next up, do you want a stat to watch? And it can't be points because that's cheating. Obviously, whoever scores the most wins. But any other stat will do or a Hornets player next. I'll go with um, Hornets player next, I think. Your choice. I'm going to say just, I'm, I'm just going to go fairly obvious because I like to talk about him, and that's Brandon Miller. I just, honestly, uh, I'll go back a minute. I wasn't sure that was the right choice at number two. Uh, I'm not great on uh, deciding whether a player is going to be good or not based on draft. People who read my columns know I've missed a few of those before, but uh, nevertheless, I just wasn't sure on Miller. I just didn't know. I knew it would translate. I didn't know how well it would translate, but he has looked like an NBA player really from day one, and what I like now is that it's feel like he's become more aggressive and uh, understands that he can score at the rim, too, and on floaters, and he's not just hunting three-pointers. So coming off that all-star break, I think that'll give him a little more confidence that he, you know, Always when those guys go out there for the first time and they get to be around, uh, you know, kind of their heroes, their, their peers, or they feel they don't feel like peers, but suddenly they are. I'm feeling like Brandon Miller. I'm feeling a 30-point game for I would love that. It would uh, continue the run he's been on. I, I mentioned it before, but I'll give you the names. He is the 11th leading scorer for the entire NBA in terms of total points in the month of February. The only names ahead of him, Kevin Durant, De'Aaron Fox, Trey Young, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Steph Curry. That's pretty good company to be keeping. Uh, number 11 on that list is Brandon Miller. Yeah, that is that's amazing. I, I didn't quite realize it was well that that was the list really, but uh, I mean, yeah, him, Lamelo, Mark Williams as a rim protector. Once he gets you know when he's healthy and stuff, I mean they've got some they've got some pieces here. And Miller to me is, and you know whoever the next draft pick is, who's going to probably that's going to be a lottery pick too. I would think you're going to have some. You got some stuff here, and I do like. Uh, you didn't ask me, but the new owners, I've enjoyed uh, how I think Mitch Kupchak called them shockingly knowledgeable. I've, in, I've enjoyed them being uh, around and obviously very involved uh, with where their money's being spent. And Yeah, things looking up a little bit. I'm with you on that as well. We'll have to have you back on the podcast again, but I'm I'm good with them being Hornets to watch as well because I'm I'm with you. I think they're making all the right moves. So here, here, all for giving proper due to Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall for all that they've done already and all that they will do in the future. I still have to get my Hornet to watch. Brandon Miller was top of my list, but I'll go with Nick Richards as mine. He's had four straight games in double figures. His career high came against Utah earlier this season, so hopefully he can replicate 
replicate that effort against the Jazz and this time lead the Hornets to a victory. And last but not least, we need a stat to watch. Again, can't choose points because obviously whoever scores most wins. But is there another stat, a game within the game, if you will, that you think will determine tonight's outcome? Well, I just think probably, to me, the second most important stat, I mean, they they just... I think Utah's a good rebounding team, and I think that's where you just have to – you just you need to be strong enough on the boards. I look – when I look at a box score, honestly, I look before three-point shooting maybe, you know, other than points, obviously, that's – I look at rebounds because, to me, rebounds – team rebounding, I mean, not one guy getting 10 or whatever, but team rebounding to me shows you hustle stats more than anything else. There's so many 50-50 balls in the NBA. So they've got, you know, Markinen who averages close to nine, and John Collins, uh, the uh, Duncan Deacon, he's always been a good rebounder, and a number of other guys, but those are the kind of guys that I think that they'll, they're just going to need to get in there, get your guards in there, get people, you know, following to the ball. And uh, I was, So my stat is team rebounding. I like that one too. Jazz are the number two team in the NBA in terms of rebounding percentage. That's the percentage of available rebounds that they pull down. So you're right on the money there. Uh, Hornets were bottom five in that category, but they've been a lot better since the new arrivals have shown up. Amazing what healthy players will do. So I uh, love the stat. I'll go in a different direction just to spread the wealth. I'm going to say points in the paint. Both teams are, are pretty similar, to be honest, on the season in that category. Uh, so we'll see if someone can pull ahead in it again here tonight and determine the outcome of the game. Either way, we know it will be covered by the Charlotte Observer tomorrow. Maybe the subject of a column from Scott Fowler, our guest today here on the HHC. Scott, very much enjoyed it and look forward to having you on to talk about new ownership and the new bright future ahead for the Hornets with this nucleus intact here. Yes, well, thanks for having me, Sam. It's been a pleasure. Thanks as well to our producer, Rob Longo, for putting this podcast together. Most of all, thanks to all of you for tuning in. We missed you over the All-Star break. We'll be back again tomorrow. It will actually be Rob Longo as well as Sam Purley breaking down tonight's game against Utah and previewing tomorrow's night two of a back-to-back against the Golden State Warriors. Till next time, for our guest Scott Fowler, Rob Longo, the producer, I'm Sam Farber, saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hopcast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.